love to be super stoned right now, and he at doesn't know it, but school. I know it. Yeah. No. Sometimes <laughs> the miscommunication girl, girl happens, and you end up very, very high. I yeah. have once witnessed somebody hand somebody else a water bottle that did have LSD in it without informing that person yeah. that it had LSD hey, in it, and then that we person were all there. I was one of that person. Uh huh. <laughs> I was, I, I was one of gonna, the people who didn't. Uh... Listen, I wasn't gonna like call anybody out by name because I didn't know how much anyone, any any given person in the room or outside of it. That was like to share. that was such a Shakespeare thing to happen because yes. Jake, like, yes, Jake should have said there's acid in this water bottle, but he. I was also, avoiding names. <laughs> he also, I'm fine with it. He also. Uh, what about the people? He also knew that, like, handing it to Dylan, for instance, wouldn't be a problem. That Dylan would be surprised. Like, he didn't think too much about it because he knew Dylan would be fine no matter what happens. Like, it was such a moment of, like, one might, from an outside perspective, one might be like, that's a really shitty thing to do. But I genuinely think it was a moment of such, like, family trust of just like we all know each other so well and like trust each other that dylan didn't think to ask and jake didn't think to warn it's just two things here's the thing you should always warn somebody if there's acid in the water bottle you're handing them yes but but the two things are i would number one always ask if there's acid with the person who was handing the water bottle right if somebody's just just handing me their own water bottle that they brought to the brewery i'm gonna ask if it's just water number two number two number two uh the other thing about that show is that everyone was so fucking wine so fucked up at that show i i just one of my favorite memories of all time is going into the bathroom after i had noticed that you were in Oh my god, I just swallowed into the mic. Time. I'm so sorry, everybody. Um, and uh, you were puking in the toilet, and there were like a bunch of other queers in there with me, and we just fucking hooked you up with mints and like toothpicks that were flavored so you and could some continue. Water. Oh, did you yeah. puke at the Infinite Monkey oh, Show? Oh, yeah, yeah she I puked. puked and rallied. Yeah, so between my last, I don't, like, I remember saying my last lines, and I don't really remember anything after that. But I remember saying my last lines because Jayquiz isn't in the last. I don't say anything in in the last like two acts of the show, and then I'm not on stage again until the wedding scene, and I just have to stand there. So I knew I had like at least 15, 20 minutes, and so I left, and I was like, I need to puke. I like formed a fist with my brain and held it together and said my last lines, and then I tottered to the bathroom. Uh, and I tottered into the bathroom and there's some queers in there that were like, oh my God, you're doing such a great job. And I was like, and like went into the stall and puked, got up, rallied, walked back on stage, did the final scene. No one even knew. Yeah. Yeah. This was when I had rainbow hair and I met that other person with rainbow hair who also did trans theater. I am informed that it was maybe the best ever Shakespeare show. It was excellent. I wish I remembered it. (laughs) Um, so my name, oh yes, Aaron. I was just going to say, I don't think I ever puked at any Shakespeare show. Wow, fucking the, knock on some wood, But dude. the last Grace of Pod episode, I had five, I had three snow melts and two beers, uh-huh. and I puked all night and then puked all the next day Aww. until 5 p.m., and I don't understand my body. That I sounds don't. like Hannah's birthday party for me, Hannah's 24th birthday yeah. party. Yeah. Um, hi, welcome to If It's Gay, We Play. It's I'm, a podcast. I'm Kai. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm Hannah. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm Aaron. My pronouns are CBD spliff. That's him. And he, him, his. <laughs> Both. He's our producer. He's going to go smoke. Um, CBD spliff is going outside to go smoke. <laughs> we are going to have, for once, an efficient episode because Aaron has to, no joke, go work at a Catholic girls' school for the duration of the This afternoon. is going to be efficient. It will be funny. It will be podcast. But it will be games. But most of all, it, will be, it will be, as I've said before, we are looking for efficient podcasting. This episode is brought to you by the body of Christ and the blood of Christ and also 
crucifixes that make you uncomfortable but are very important to the Catholic dark rituals. <laughs> <laughs> they do have dark rituals, don't they? Yes. My, it's, it's my, my people's church, yeah. my, the, yeah. no, the Irish the Catholic church is yeah. pretty fucking occult. Well, it's because it's the, the older you get with Christianity. You keep trying to leave it. I keep not leaving. I the love it. The older you get with like Christianity, like yeah. Orthodox and Catholic Christianity, which are the OGs, mm-hmm. the more, the, the, the closer it is to just like straight up paganism yeah. like because it was the it's the dirty. romans were just like how do we turn it eh, how do we turn this uh into a, a control oh, mechanism no. that's my roman accent oh boy um, that was perfect thank yeah. you that was as good as most of the accents in odyssey <laughs> Uh, uh, well, yes, some of those people are actually Greek. I know, but others are not. Others are and super that's the not. Ones I'm speaking. Of. Yeah, most of the children don't seem so. So this Catholic school is actually um, part of a. It was like founded by a group of nuns uh-huh. um, that like do things like handcuff themselves to the doors of nuclear testing facilities, cool. Sick. Like, like bomb facilities. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, like they're a really. Um, left-leaning Catholic sect. They're really big on uh, social justice mm-hmm. and yeah. challenging their students to like uh, protest and take action and stuff like that. So it's actually a really cool place to yeah, no, it's... work. It's very inspiring to see like people being into, uh, like, and a lot of the girls aren't even into religion, but they're very like, yeah. You know, I don't know. It's just like a very accepting Intellect, environment yeah. that is also religious yeah. environment. They're probably a, a a Jesuit sect because Jesuits are the ones that were like are historically like uh, education and like justice and and uh, like what's the word I'm looking for like social work and that kind of thing mm-hmm. is like are like the prime tenets of so most of the like educational orders historically were Jesuits. Uh, that sound I actually know some things about religion. But also that Catholicism is scary and fucked up. <laughs> and I can Both say that. Can be true. Both I have not true. told this story on the podcast yet, but this is just a quick one. Um, I was baptized Catholic by a priest named Ricky and his dog named Little Ricky. And... <laughs> Both of them. I didn't know that detail. Oh, I've told you that. I multiple forgot. times. My and both of them. Forgot. Hold on, hold on. This is the best part. Both of them were exceptionally gay. Yeah. Both of them were exceptionally homosexual, which yeah. you can guess because the priest's name was Ricky and his, and his dog's, dog's name, was name was Little, Little Ricky. Ricky. Um, I my brain must forget that detail every time you tell it to me, so that I can hear it anew every yeah. time, and it's as funny every time I hear it. Oh yeah. I mean, here's the thing hilarious. that explains why I am the way I am now because yeah. I was baptized Catholic by Ricky and Little Ricky. Ricky and smaller Ricky, the dog, who uh, is also gay. <laughs> That's also an important gay. part yeah. of the story. There, I was baptized by some bishop who's Episcopalian, maybe, in Colorado. I don't remember. Um, but I think, and it's, you know, it, he was some big deal. He was a bishop. He's, like, some big deal. He's a super fancy Christian. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think, though, that I am, like, so de- genuinely demonic. And, you know, we've talked about yeah. this. That I might be an actual demon or like mm-hmm. a, de- a chaos gremlin, a, a chaos imp in human form. Yeah. But I am so demonic and like so occult that like that only furthered my like like I've never been Christian. It's like The Exorcist. Yeah, like I've never I've never had to unlearn Christianity. I just never liked it. I just, yeah, we talked about yeah. this. 
Um, I the the final thing on this on this religious subject that and then we'll move into the actual podcast because we really have to do it because efficiency is um i don't know how my mom got me baptized by like it must have been that she planned to make me gay because Mm. you can't like baptize your child by a gay priest and a gay dog and not expect that child to turn out to be exceptionally queer well your mom's queer yeah so yeah so like it was the whole plan yeah you both of your parents are queer to, to the best of my knowledge. Yeah. So yes. that's what you've told me. Yes. Yeah. To, and or I say to they're... the best of my knowledge because I don't know how much that's public information. Yeah. Well. Anyway. Anyway. So, uh, Hannah, what's the gayest thing you've done this week? Wait, I have one actual final thing about Oh my God, okay. It's a fun fact about the very Catholic school, the Catholic girls school where Aaron's going to work. I once went to a model UN meet. At oh, that that's school. fun. At the, one of the two model UN meets, three model UN meets I went to. Uh, one was at my high school, two were other high schools. That's the thing their school is famous for. Is Model UN. Model UN program is yeah. like one of the best in the country. Cool. Well, I went to a meet there, and I only did Model UN because I thought it would be fun and funny to pretend to be other countries, and not because I had any interest in anything about Model UN. But that's my memory of that school. That's the actual final thing. Kai, yes. what's the gayest thing you've done this week? Uh, the gayest thing that I've done this week was um, get a, a procedure done for my back. Um, and just fucking play video games all week and chill, which was tight. Um, but I think the real gayest thing that I did last this week was uh, go to the um, Day of the Dead event uh, yesterday at Soul Tribe with you, and it was very emotional and very good because I've lost two people this year, um, and the event was on the exact night that they like would have been showing up, mm-hmm. um, and I was the, able uh... to put some of their things on the altar and it felt very um honoring and very good because i had to miss one of their uh, memorial services um two fun fact out of four of my people on the altar are queer yeah and a fun fact about sacred holidays is that all of them are queer yes because the sacred is queer the divine is queer go on what's the gayest thing you've done this week uh go on take up space um go off Go off. Ooh, we should have John on to talk about that at some point. Put a pin in that. Um, the gayest thing I've done this week, the Dia de Muertos celebration was pretty queer. Uh, I brought beer and I left some on the altar for mm-hmm. my folks. I didn't. I, yeah, I rolled a spliff. Yeah. I haven't, I thankfully haven't um, lost anybody this year, but I had lost my grandma since the last time I was at one of these altars because I didn't yeah, go last year. Yeah, we didn't go in 2018. Um, but it's, a, it's an annual tradition. My boss does it every year. Um, and she creates an altar and does a, like a ceremony, um, and it's pretty dope. So that was great. That I mean, I think the gayest thing. I mean, we had some brunch. We hadn't had brunch in a while, actually. Yeah, we had. Yeah, We've that been was brunchless. Nice. We yeah. had a great brunch yesterday, and we had an in-depth conversation about like our personal history with the video gaming. Yeah, community. it was wonderful. Um, it was great. That's the gayest things that I can. I'm sure I've done something gayer. It's been just kind of a shit week. It's been a shit week. I have two things on both subjects. Um, number one, one of my favorite moments last night was watching um your boss, um teach like this young child about what uh Dia de los Muertos was about and like Dia Muertos, de los Muertos. I'm, I tried. Um, I know. Uh, was, just was about. Um and uh just like what what 
how 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 to provide an offering and just like showed him like some pedals and stuff and it was just really really good mm-hmm. and i love watching um young people learn about like big subjects like death like that and mm-hmm. watching how they deal with it and it was really interesting um the second thing was uh fuck about brunch and gay conversation flirted with my favorite waiter flirted with your favorite server um or yeah server bartender bartender employee employee of sputnik so cute and very cute every time i talk to her i get real sweaty now um i lost it yeah that's fine that's okay it was really good if it comes back let me know um hannah what what are you playing this week that's a great question guys thank you for organically asking it yeah no trouble of your own accord Uh uh-huh um, I have been playing actually a lot of uh, Robot Rescue VR. Yeah, which is cute. And it's a delightful game. It is so, I know I've talked about this before and I haven't talked about VR in a little while because I haven't been fucking with it for whatever mm-hmm. reason. But now I've, ex- I've experienced getting high and going to the VR zone, which is just a real treat. It's so weird though, because you know how when you're high in real life, everything looks a little different. Not like high subs- in real life. Yes, as opposed to the VR zone. Right, you know. got it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Everything looks like a little different. Like you can tell that you're high when you look around. You can tell that you're high when you look around. Sure. Right, because there's like visual lag at the very least sometimes. I don't For know. For me, it's mostly just a brain experience. Yeah. Like as in like my thoughts about the things are different, so they look different because my thoughts about yeah. them are different. It's hard to explain, but I feel like everybody who's listening to this podcast who smokes weed knows that it looks, it feels different to look around when you're high. So when you're high in the VR zone, you don't get that. It's huh. so strict because your eyes are just seeing what the VR zone is giving you. Uh-huh. Like the VR zone determines the quality of image that goes into your eye. Yeah. And it's so bizarre. So also the experience of smoking while in the VR zone. That's Inhaling funny. and breathing out and not seeing the smoke is very funny. I remember you talking about that. Um, so playing a lot of Robot Rescue VR. I've, of course, been playing some Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I have finished all of the like t- uh, Lost Tales of Greece so I just have the Atlantis DLC because I'm not playing the Legacy of the First Blade DLC. That's mm-hmm. the baby one. And I won't do it. The Forced Heterosexuality one. Yeah, fuck that. Um, and I have been playing Pokemon Go, of course. I went for like a 10-mile walk uh, last Saturday. I yeah. think I talked about that. Anyway, um, Halloween happened this week. I did dress as John Wick at work. Yeah. We had a very nice evening with half of a podcast episode that we'll release at some point. At some point. We played Betrayal at the House of the Hill with Wendy and Addie and Charles. Hi, Charles. Hi, Charles. And... Watched Halloween. Watched Halloween, which was great. Yeah. That's been my... Oh, I really went on a tangent about gay things. When? So I've been playing... Just now. Oh. I was trying yeah. to talk about video games. Yeah. Efficiency. So I've also been playing... I started playing last night Bayonetta 2. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was watching Speaking of, of gay games. And it is a delay. It is... Of course, absurd, uh, where, like, Bayonetta does a thing where, like, she's, like, dodging a blade and it, like, slices her whole bodysuit in half and she, like, moans. It's fuck. It's stupid. It's prime Bayonetta. Sounds hot as fuck. It's a little hot is the thing, is the thing. And I'm like, I hate that I hate, I hate that I like this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Because it's made by a man. But yeah. the beginning part of the game Bayonetta 2 so far appears to be about rescuing your girlfriend from hell. Um, so she, you like start the game and like the first like mm, 40 minutes of the game are like cutscenes. Mm-hmm. at least 20, 30, like so long of the game, it's just cutscenes. And, uh, Bayonetta and Jean have this like interaction where Bayonetta's like, oh, don't forget to th- get the things for the party where they clearly like live together because yeah. they're gay, they're gay witches. And then Jean gets dragged down to hell and Bayonetta is like 
like going through a outrageous quest to save her. So Cute. it's gay. That's what I've been playing. Excellent. Hey Kai. Hey. What have you been playing? I've been playing this game called Outer Worlds. That's the Outer very Worlds. good. That came out, um, I believe, on the twenty sixth or twenty fifth of October. Uh, and I've played it actually every day since. I've probably pumped like fifty fucking hours in this game or some shit because I just played it all week. Um, I love it so much for a variety of reasons. Uh, it is made by the same folks um, who made uh, Fallout New Vegas, um, as well as uh, another game that I'm not remembering now. Um, Black Isles Obsidian is the is the game uh, making people. The game making people. The game making people. The game making people. Um, you know how they they made the this. It's it's this. Uh, incredible like uh, dystopian uh space opera, opera. um about Love like a dystopian space opera my dude um, about uh the the evils of capitalism and colonialism because yes, all of son. these uh corporations went out and basically just like uh colonized this uh galaxy um from from earth right went from earth went to go colonize this galaxy um and you are playing as, uh, like, this person who just uh, kind of gets mixed up in all of this. Um, classic. I love a classic mixed up in all of this hero. hero it reminds, hero, me, it reminds me a lot of both Fallout 4 as well as Fallout New Vegas because in Fallout New Vegas, you know, you, like, get shot by this guy, Benny, and that's how, like, the game starts. Yeah. And in, Fall, in Fallout 4. I have 4, played the first, like, couple of hours of fallout new vegas yeah. three separate times i love the first <laughs> three hours of fallout that. new vegas um they're one of my favorite three hours in any game uh, and fallout 4 you like uh are in uh cryo chamber or whatever and yeah. this is basically like a combination of both of those things um it is number one a beautiful game number two the combat system is very fun the um the 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 like uh skill system is really interesting and really well done um i think i talked about it last week as well but one of my favorite things about this game is uh the the characters and stories are just so intensely well done and you're able to flesh out your character pretty successfully i would say like most obsidian games mm. um there is uh confirmed asexual but um like uh at least sapphic romantic mm -hmm. character um in the game which like which is uh, it's, it's done really well and actually your character can have that conversation with this individual in a way that you can also say i am also asexual or you can say not that but yeah. you can be supportive of them um I don't remember if it's an option to not be supportive of them or to be, like, shitty, because normally there is an option in all of the dialogue to be, like, shitty. Mm. Um, but I don't know if that's necessarily the case with this one. Because um, if you get far enough into this quest, you obviously care about this character enough to yeah, not be yeah, shitty yeah, to them. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Well, one would It's hope. like, one would hope. But, like, it's really, um, it's really well done representation. And there's a lot of other queer characters. And one of my other favorite things about this game, I don't know if I talked about this last week, is the fact that, um... Men on the bad parts of the internet are complaining about the character design of the females of the women in the game because it's not, like, hot enough. They're not mm -hmm. made to be hot. They're made to look like they actual all real look, people. Can I say? And they all look queer because of their they fucking haircuts like and fucking piercings dykes. and they shit. All, no, and also, they all have lesbian faces. 
they do all have lesbian faces. They all have sapphic faces. Which is not faces. to say that they're women. It's just there's such a thing as a sapphic face, and yes. they all have sapphic faces. Um, so anyway, that's great. And the other thing I very much like about this game is I was able, unfortunately, you do have to choose a gender, which yeah. I was kind of hoping for a cyberpunk yeah. 2077 sort of thing where it's just you choose, like, the body type or whatever. But uh, choosing a gender in this game does not lock you out of things like having makeup or facial hair or different haircuts or things like that. The haircuts are all wonderful. Um, they are. I have a quote-unquote female-bodied protagonist with an excellent beard and a lot of very good makeup. Um, yeah, which begs the question for me and, yeah. like, my my singular complaint about watching you play this game mm-hmm. so far is at that point, why make you choose a gender? Well, like, no, exactly. Like, if why... If they're gonna let you fuck with it... It's because... It just it determines just what such a, voice actor you have. But yeah, you which should you should be able, able to just be able to choose, like, high um, voice or low voice. It's just that is such a normalized thing in games that sometimes people don't even think about that, right? Right. Like, choosing a gender when you're playing a game that's, like, an RPG-style game is just so defined in the genre that it is notable that Cyberpunk 2077 is changing it. And there's no need to do that, but it's just so fucking normalized, right? I would just argue that, like, with... The Outer Worlds, like Obsidian clearly puts oh, so yeah, much Oh yeah, I would thought, expect better. Like so much thought into the rest of it mm-hmm. in terms of not being like obfuscating or like, you know, letting you kind of do whatever yeah. you want with gender signifiers from there. And like in the rest of the game that you've played so far, like talking to other characters, they yeah. clearly put a lot of thought into representation. So like, I bet there was a conversation about it and I would like to know, maybe it was studio pressure. I just don't think that there like, was publisher, a conversation publisher about Publisher pressure. It. I bet I, there was. I don't think that there was because I think it's just so normal a thing that people don't think about it. However, I do bet there was before the release between the Cyberpunk 2077 news coming out and the release of Outer Worlds. Mm -hmm. I bet there was a last minute conversation, but it was possibly just impossible to change at that point in production. I just, it just, to me, there is evidence that this game was created in an environment Mm -hmm. where that conversation would have come up. Sure, and I get where you're coming from with that. It's just, I never... I expect a lot of really interesting change and development from creators, but sometimes when things like that are so ingrained in our video gaming language, it's just kind of hard to expect Mm. that people will... And I have the highest hopes for, like, Obsidian Black Isles or whatever, like, you know, but it's just... So speaking of... I don't know, I just think we should hold them to a higher standard. And I agree. I'm just saying, like... I I understand where yeah. this is I just missing. I, I don't I don't like it and I don't approve of it and I think that they can do better. It's just I understand mm. hegemonically where where this might have gotten yeah. lost. I just in don't translation. I don't want to make assumptions about how ingrained it is or isn't. Again, because they clearly yeah. had conversations about a bunch know. of those other things in that room that it or in you know in that game that it it that seems like it would have come up. Fair. And it may be its publisher uh, pressure or something. So um, speaking of uh, like experiences and games with queer stuff, you know, our podcast, um, let's dive into our uh, big topic for the week. Yeah, that kind of, that kind of, oh, I want to talk about Outer Worlds a second longer. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, you gave it some very glowing praise the other day. Tell me what you said about this game. I'll tell you what you said about this Tell game. me what you said. Tell me what I said. Yeah, you said that this is definitely in your top three games you've ever played. It is in my top three games I've ever played. The uh, story is so invigorating, and 
oh yeah, this has happened since the last time we recorded. I am being challenged on a moral level, on an ethical level that is very engaging to me that reminds me almost of Red Strings Club, but not nearly as like intense and mm-hmm. heightened as Red Strings Club. Um, one of my favorite things that has happened in a quest is I have... Uh, Do you have my chapstick, Pat? No. I thought it was on the table. You might be over there on the table Wait, where I moved all the stuff. Keep talking. Um, uh, one of my favorite quests so far has presented me with two options, neither of which felt good to me. Um, and when I talked to the characters that were representing those options further, I actually unlocked a third alternative option to those two options that didn't feel good to me because I had done all of the things that I viewed as like ethically good or morally good or that my character would do um that created that third option to be unlocked uh that I preferred and so I chose it and I did it and I was able to like do it without even looking without looking up what was going to happen or anything like that it was just so fucking well done that a lot of games present you with like this kind of um moral black and white Ah. like this is Paragon and this is yeah. Renegade. Or, like, they present you with more options, but, it, like, in Mass Effect, you get penalized for using, always choosing the middle yeah. road, which um, is kind of a fair commentary, but yes. you get moral black and white to progress the game, uh-huh. or you can choose the middle, you can choose, like, the nuanced option, or, like, you know, sometimes it's nuanced, sometimes it's just kind of disengaging. But either way, you get, you won't be able to, like, complete the game successfully. Doing well, in that. this case, it presented me with two options one of which seemed like it was being presented as the right option, but I really didn't like the person or the thing that they were trying to do. And the other one was kind of like more middle of the road. Is this the first quest with the no. power plant? No, it is not. Oh. This is... I uh, fucked up the first quest. I could have done another thing. I might have fucked up the first quest too. I had thought that I tried to do the other thing, but it wouldn't let me. So um, so anyway, this is a later quest. Um, but yeah, so I was able to find a, a secret third option that felt just very good and organically done to me that I liked a lot that was brought about through dialogue and discussion. And you have a, a, a history, I would say a consistent habit of when you play choice-based games like this, uh, looking you up. always look up what the consequences are. I am very which, purposefully not doing that this time yeah. so I can enjoy the game as it was meant to be enjoyed because it feels worth it to do that to me. So because of that, I think I fucked up the first quest also. Um, we'll talk about that off mic later, but yeah. Yeah, which is wild because normally I find it, I love you, I find it infuriating to I watch you, you play choice-based games. So we got to talking yesterday at brunch mm-hmm. about our relationship with the video game, like, quote-unquote video game community. To, like, yeah, that was how it came up. That was sort of really stereotypical interesting. stereotypical video game community. Yeah. And well, I how think... it was when we were kids and, like, how we – our relationship to how yeah. – like, like, the environment in which we played games. The way that I want to get into it okay. is by um, – talking about what we understand about the video game community at present because mm-hmm. i think one of the interesting things that we talked about to me specifically oh, was I remember how we talked about uh-huh, how this came out. was the fact that um triple a games are sort of appealing less or at least some triple a games are appealing less to the quote-unquote like real gamer community mm-hmm. um as in like this this big game release outer worlds is um 
n is has like different gender signifiers that you can use asexual representation um like a really fun story that also incorporates elements of social justice and mm -hmm. anti-capitalism mm -hmm. and stuff like that um Our world is like yeah. if mass effect andromeda was good yes and well thought out or thought out at all yeah. and if borderlands had a, re a real plot yes exactly it is both of those things it is like what i've been saying if gearbox made mass effect yes but actually funny and good yeah or um, if bioware made uh fucking borderlands or if bethesda made borderlands not mm -hmm. bioware but obsidian is like i don't know obsidian is just such a good game company so yes. anyway, anyway um we started talking about Death Stranding, which mm -hmm. is a yeah, game came up. that is actually very popular with the quote-unquote real gamer community because of how quote-unquote intellectual and artsy and heightened it is. Um, but we were talking about it because we had heard uh, the Polygon yeah, show. Yeah, it, it came up because uh, the, the review embargo has been lifted on mm -hmm. Death Stranding, so people are starting to know, like, people can start saying stuff about it. The first and by stuff, I mean literally anything about it because yeah. nobody has known literally anything about it for its whole production process except for the mysteries shown to us in the trailer yeah so and the thing that struck me most because brian david gil brian david gilbert talks about it on mm -hmm. the most recent episode of the polygon show and it is the thing that struck me most about his review of it was he talked about how beautiful and artistic and weird and kojima it was mm -hmm. but he also the thing he kept coming back to is he was like, I don't understand this game at all, but it is fucking fun. Yeah. And it was so striking to me, and I realized this, of part of why I like Polygon journalism a lot is that they tend to focus, not necessarily exclusively, but they do tend to give, like, do focus to just how fun and enjoyable yeah. to play a game is. And I feel like I was saying that, like, uh, how this all came up was, like, I don't feel like there is space for that in quote unquote like mainstream gaming. Mm -hmm, like I mm -hmm. feel like mainstream game journalism or like mainstream like game culture, like quote unquote real gamers and like gatekeeping and um, all that jazz. Like the ga the focus is like on how hard the game is, or, or how intellectual how the inte game is, yeah, or how hard and is. or intellectual the game is. Like if yeah. a game isn't hard, it's not worth playing or whatever. But if you also pass a certain level of artiness, then it's also not a real game. Yeah. So it's, but it's, it's, I feel like the conversation is never, how fun is this game? Yeah. Is this game enjoyable to play? And like part of why, that's the thing I like about Polygon's like Game of the Year list so mm -hmm. much is that like in the review, I remember specifically for, um, oh, uh, what's it called? Fucking God of War. Yeah. Uh, when it won Game of the Year, um, 2018 was like, or this excuse game me. Is get, fun. Yeah. 2017. They were like, this game, like is beautiful is an amazing story like the voice acting escape blah 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 and it feels so good to play like yeah. they have a whole polygon has a whole video series about like satisfying game mechanics yeah and like a game should be fun to play it doesn't have to be like if it is if the story is good enough then like like with red strings club might be fun to play but it's not I find like, it very fun to play yeah there's no like haptic feedback kind of element of it no though. i mean i was playing it on a computer so there's no haptic feedback but i don't necessarily find haptic feedback necessary in order to call something fun yeah no i know i guess what i mean is like with in the specifics of like god of war is like the like feeling of swinging the axe or whatever there's not as much like it's there are games that are really fun but they're more like typing they're not like 
I don't know what I'm saying. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know why we got into haptic feedback specifically. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying there's a specific type of fun that I'm talking about. Oh, okay. I didn't realize it was a specific type of fun. I thought Not, it was just fun generally. No, it's fun generally, but with like uh, games like God of War, like I like that they focus on how the game feels too. Sure. Like it's, it, it's a multi-sensory sort of thing. That's what I was trying to say is like, um, I'm talking like the games I like is like I'm talking about a specific kind of like does the game fe- I really like games that are like really sensorily engaging I, not exclusively I like I feel like Red Strings Club to me was sensorily engaging because the um setting was provided so well mm-hmm. and there is actually uh, a big element of the game is um doing uh pottery like mm-hmm. sculpting mm-hmm. and though you're not getting like vibrations in yeah. your mouse it, yeah it is Have incredibly, to was, i don't i'm not trying to focus on it that. is incredibly like sensorily uh-huh. pleasing to be spinning like this uh-huh. pottery wheel and creating different shapes oh, I, didn't with know that, it. I didn't know that was part of it uh-huh red strings club is a bad example i don't I, I was just trying to talk about it. Oh, I know. I just poorly. I just am getting into like that is that is fun. And what what we were so so the big thing with this is like a lot of the time games that are lauded by the the true gaming community are um not necessarily lauded because of how fun they are. Yeah, they're like lauded. I was talking specifically about Dark Souls. I right? think Dark Souls is a great Dark example. Dark Souls is a great example of this for my own story personally at the very least because I have never enjoyed Dark Souls. I've tried to get into it for years. I had tried to get into it for years, like the whole series, and I just don't find it fun. The story is not interesting to me. The combat is not fun to me. No aspect. Dark Souls is like my fucking nega game like it's it's antithetical to everything that i enjoy about video games yeah. i do not like dark souls i don't dislike people who like dark souls and i understand how aspects of it are fun for people but part of the reason why i was trying so desperately to get into dark souls was because i was a part of that like true gamer community mm-hmm. the kind of gamer that plays games on their hardest difficulty level plays online games like league of legends halo and fucking call of duty or whatever like i was playing like the single player rpgs but the the quote-unquote good ones yeah. like the 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 lauded ones in that particular way so i was trying to get into dark souls and i was like if i don't fucking like this game then i'm not a real gamer or if i find this game too hard then I'm yeah. not as good of a gamer just, like, as other fun. gamers. And like, I just too hard to be fun. Which yeah, that and it's is totally a thing. For the games. thing is, it's it's not even I could probably learn the mechanics of Dark Souls successfully because I'm good at video games, but it just wasn't ever fun enough mm. for me to consider that you worth to, like, my time. Get good at it. Yeah, so it's it's just like but that funness never felt like a factor in me trying to get into this game. Right, or in why anybody talks about the game. Or in what people were talking about in my communities. Nobody was talking about like, oh man, this Dark Souls boss is really fun. Everyone was like, this is hell to get through and yeah. you have to do this specific thing and this specific thing. And it was at that point after I like stopped trying to get into Dark Souls that I was like, I don't know how worth it it is for me to be fighting to be fitting this stereotype that wasn't ever really built for people like me because mm-hmm. this was at the point after I had like come out and stuff. So, you know, after you're a woman or queer or trans, the, the true gaming community isn't really for you because right. anytime that you bring any of the concerns that come with those identities to the true gaming community – 
then you're not a real gamer anymore because right. then you're appealing to social justice and PC right. culture or yeah. whatever. Um, so I think that that was a really interesting point that uh, you brought up about about the fun aspect, mm-hmm. right? That that's never focused yeah. on. and that's never focused on. And so we were talking about like, I it kind of turned into a conversation where I was talking about like my history of getting into games. Like I don't I don't know what I mean, but my like, so well, what happened was I. I started talking about uh, massively multiplayer online role-playing games like World of Warcraft and other types of games that are online like League of Legends and stuff and how I so enjoyed those games and got into them so readily because I was more capable and prepared to fulfill that like real gamer sort of credential that you have to have in order to get into those games because... I had the money for those consoles, I had the money for those games, my parents let me play those games, and I picked them up, like, the skills required for them quite quickly, and if I didn't say anything into any microphone or talk at all, I could pass, Mm -hmm. basically, as a real gamer, as a man. Mm -hmm. Um, But you were not afforded those same, Yeah, I didn't have any of that, pretty much. I mean, I'm good at video games, but other than that, I'm good at video games now. I used to be really bad at them, just because I didn't have the opportunity Well, exactly. Like, how are you going to get good at something if you can't do it? Yeah, and the only games I was really good at for a time were rhythm games, because I naturally picked that up pretty Mm -hmm. quickly, because it's just, it's just rhythm. Like, it's just rhythm and movement, and I'm good at that. So... Uh, and there wasn't this, like, but even then I was part of, like, an, uh, I remember at one point I was part of, like, a, a DDR Facebook group, and how much, like, gatekeeping there was in that, that, like, oh, sure. if you didn't play on this, you know, whatever, that, like, it, it's, it's, if you don't play in the hardest difficulty, and you don't do this and this and this, you're not a real, like, DDR player. Well, very, yes, Rhythm please. games are an example of, to me, a game that the harder it gets, the more fun it gets to a point. Yeah. Because usually they design the harder levels to, like, involve more movement, mm-hmm. so that's going to be more fun because you have yeah. more to do. Um, there is, though, like on Guitar Hero, for instance, on any rhythm game, there's going to be f- songs that are their most fun at their hardest difficulty level. Sure. And there are going to be songs for me where their most, their highest difficulty level is just a little too hard to be fun. Yeah. And so it turns into uh, their, their the most fun difficulty level is the, the one right below uh, the highest difficulty level but that would make me like not a real even rhythm gamer like a not a real like DDR player or whatever it is mm-hmm. um, and I was talking about how with stuff like MMORPGs I there was such a high barrier of entry to me um I wasn't allowed to play violent video games at all. We've all, if you've listened to episode one of this podcast, yes. you've heard my story about how my mom got really mad because my stepbrother let me watch him play Tomb Raider, mm-hmm. the OG Tomb Raider. Yes. And I wasn't, didn't have money to buy games. My parents really wouldn't buy them for me. Like even <laughs> when I remember for my 19th birthday, the only thing I wanted was Skyward Sword because yeah. it had just come out. And my mom told me straight up, she was like, you, I'm past the point of my life where I'm willing to spend money on video games. And I was like, it's not. What a does fucking, that even mean? It doesn't mean anything. But I was like, it was just, I mean, it's a very selfish thing to say. Because yeah. it's not about, when you're buying a gift, it's not about what you think is valuable. It's what no. the other person wants. And, like, I think fingerless gloves are not my thing, but I bought you, bought you me fancy fingerless gloves. fingerless gloves for a holiday. That I later ruined. Yeah, I'll buy you new ones. Whatever. Yeah. You, they were wool, and Kai washed them. It was so dumb. And so they shrunk into little baby gloves. Yeah. And, um, or Kai washed them in hot water, specifically. Yeah. So, anyway, I had this these really, really high barriers for entry where, like, I wasn't allowed to, like, 
like I could never comfortably play online with like all the boys mm-hmm. or whatever because I didn't understand the game and no one would explain it to me too. Yeah. That's the other weird thing about like true gamers is like you're expected to just like be, unless you're a, like a little child, you are expected to just be good at video games. Mm-hmm. You can't ask questions. It's like I've had a couple of really bad teachers in my life that would not explain things well and then berate me for not knowing them. Mm-hmm. There's specifically a math teacher I had in high school. Fuck you, Miss Schumann. Um. And yeah, fuck you, Mr. Tarver. He did the same thing. Yeah, fuck. Was he also a math teacher? Yeah. Yeah, fuck that. Fuck math teachers. So I love math teachers. I've had a lot of good fuck, ones. Fuck bad math teachers. Yeah, fuck, fuck bad, bad math, math teachers. teachers. That's true. Um. So yeah. So I had this huge barrier of entry where like I've always loved video games, but there was a long time when like I had been so thoroughly taught it's not worth spending your time or money on mm-hmm. that I didn't. So I bought Skyward Sword, but then I like didn't buy any new game. I know I was in college, I didn't have time. Yeah. But unless there was a big Steam sale, I like wasn't spending money on myself. And then so like when I had Steam, I got a little more into it. Yeah. But I also didn't have for like all of middle school, high school, uh, pretty much, I didn't have friends who were also interested in video and games. And this is exactly like, where we found friends. that we like differed mm-hmm. uh, quite a bit because well, we ever since, well, we already this. knew that, but I mean like this in this topic. Yeah. I very specifically, since I had started playing video games as a young person, had friends who would play at least certain video games with me. Like I had one friend who would play single player RPGs. I had another friend who would play like racing games. Mm-hmm. I had another friend who would play like Call of Duty and Halo and shit with me. Um, and then as I got into middle school, I continued having like those group of friends who would play video games with me. And then in high school, I found like this really wonderful group of friends in theater who we would play like League of Legends together. And I played World of Warcraft with them. And we like would watch each other play games on the Xbox or like play with each other in some circumstances. Like we got really into Castle Crashers and stuff. So throughout my entire gaming life, basically, I have always had a... Uh, either an online community when I was really young or like a community of of people in real life who would be playing games with me and encouraging and fostering that knowledge about video games um and my parents were always very willing to acquiesce to whatever I was passionate about Mm. and though they might not necessarily have understood it like my dad played the um NES like he was one of the first people that got the NES and he played a bunch of Mario and shit um and really enjoyed video games like as an engineer um so he understood the enjoyment factor of video games so and he played video games with me growing up like we played them together Mm -hmm. um and we would like do puzzle games like Pikmin and stuff together and that was really fun so like I always have had people in my life who are playing these games with me so I have basically very regularly been an in member Mm -hmm. of that gaming community and to go back a little bit one of the things that I think is important to mention is um I I will compare games to other forms of entertainment media because uh games are more in their infancy than uh something like movies because Mm -hmm. Films were invented in like 1894, right. like with the the flight to the moon. Yeah, video games are um, very young. Video games are much younger in comparison. So movies, you can't say like I am a movie goer. Like right. that means nothing. Yeah. Um, you can say I'm a cinemaphile, but that means that you're a douche. Yes. Um, but yeah. uh, not. I'm sorry, not douche. Ass. That makes you an ass. That makes you an ass. Uh, yeah. 
So, but with games, you can still say I'm a gamer and that still differentiates yeah. you and still means like something. Like the fact but that, that is, you play games yes. alone, it's like saying like, I listen to music and that's a personality trait. It's that's not. not. But like, you can still get away with saying I play video games and that's some and that sort can of be personality, a personality trait. I, when I say that at my office, nobody asks any further questions. Yeah, like, they're just what like, kind of oh, I, like, oh, because yes. they have a whole picture of a yeah, person built exactly. from the fact that um, you play video games. But that is becoming more and more uh, like... Um, Oh, what is the opposite of uh, when, like, saturated? That's becoming desaturated Mm -hmm. because uh, games are becoming more and more accessible to a variety of people. And, like, tons of people are playing games on their phones and, Mm -hmm. like, tons of other stuff. And, like, Apple Arcade or whatever is costing, like, five fucking dollars. And you can play a lot of really fun games. And there's all sorts of, like, Um, like a PlayStation Slim or, like, a, a Switch Lite. Not very expensive. They're getting more affordable is yeah. the thing about gaming systems as well. Uh, and VR is probably yeah. going to continue getting more affordable. Mm-hmm. So that's desaturating what gamer means in our society. Mm-hmm. So as a result, these people that are a part of sort of like the uh, the quote-unquote old guard are responding with things like fucking Gamergate and mm-hmm. how that is still deeply affecting wonderful people like Brianna Wu. Uh, mm-hmm. Vote for Brianna Wu. You should definitely go to BriannaWuForCongress.com and give her some money. Um, uh-huh. She's really great. Um, she's on one of my other favorite shows, uh, Rocket. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there's there's this backlash um, mm-hmm. trying to maintain the walls of this community and the separation of this community from everyone else because you're you're not special anymore mm-hmm. for playing yeah. games, so you have to maintain that special identity right. because most of these people are uh, cis straight white men uh-huh. and don't have a community outside yeah, of their internet it's like how, how for some people like uh, yeah no no tino shade no pink lemonade but some people who like liking sports is their like like i was talking to you because i was sitting next to some straight people somewhere the other day yeah. and i was like i was like damn like i think sport like straight people like sports so much because they have no culture outside of that like if they're not well, it provides of, a culture for yeah people. if you're not like because there's plenty of straight people who are like goth or like in the tattoo community or like have other things and I'm not saying those things are different. Like, there are people who just like tattoos and that's their whole personality. And I I just happen to like those people better. But there's there's no difference, really. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, it's like, it's it, it's interesting with games because it's, it is that same thing. It's like, I like sports and that's my, my community. Like, I play video games and that's my community. And there are being stronger lines drawn in the sand to sort of maintain that Mm -hmm. um that community the way that it's desired to be maintained by those people but what's interesting about that is that AAA games are appealing to that subset less yes um generally speaking yeah depends Um, because like call of duty very much appealing to that subset call of duty i'm actually hearing the most recent one uh deals with war in a more interesting way yeah here even call of duty is starting to get better Uh, you know i'm curious to get farther in the campaign so i got it again because of high school uh high school friends not high schoolers who are friends. Because but of high, yeah. high school. Yeah. Um, God, I love the combat, but I hate kill streaks. If yeah. they could just take, the, it didn't want to be a Call of Duty game. No, it yeah. wouldn't. Kill streaks is a big part of Call of Duty. Yeah. I just hate it. Um, anyhow, uh, yeah, the campaign is very interesting because mm-hmm. so far in my playing it, it still seems very problematic. As one yeah. character yeah. after a terrorist attack in London happens, he's like, He's like, we've been following that cell for weeks. If they would take the kitty gloves off, if they need to be honest that we're fighting a war here. And I'm yeah. like, oh, uh, oof. Oofa doofa. Hang on a second. Um, but also, like, then 
the next mission is like you're working with people in the middle east and they're like that's the they say something like that's the problem with your country is you paint us all with the same brush and, uh-huh. yeah. so there's like it's still being handled very attempts. clumsily yeah and, but that's progress for call of duty yes it is so they like the the people that you're mostly fighting with in the campaign are um like rebel fighters who are basically stand-ins for like the kurdish forces huh um interesting yeah especially given our current political situation that is uh-huh. interesting yeah but you i know, wonder this, how that'll the, go the campaign like came out yeah a while ago no it's yeah. true i mean but of course like... the call of duty is a franchise that has a history of doing such things as a game that takes place in pakistan where they put the wrong language on the street signs <laughs> yes oh fun yeah um also, of course, you have to look at the actual players online. When yep. One of the largest in-game clans is MAGA. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So, stuff like that. I mean, this is still like this is still like a, a long sort of yeah. discussion uh, thing that's going on in the community. Um, but yeah, as a person who has been sort of allowed to be in that in-group, that has created a different way of experiencing and playing games for me mm-hmm. than it has you. Because for me, I really enjoy playing a lot of multiplayer games with a lot of people. I enjoy having people watch me play games. I enjoy watching people play games. And I enjoy discussing uh, nuances as well as tactics of mm-hmm. the games while I am playing them. Because right. your gaming has always been like a communal thing yes, for you. It's always been shared with other people um, as well as I've been accepted with into those other people who I've shared it with. Um, whether or not that has resulted in me uh, getting indoctrinated to an extent um, and then having to unlearn that is beside the point. Yeah. Um, but you, on the other hand. Yeah, whereas for me, games, I mean, I, like, played games with my stepbrother when I was little, but then, like, he kind of just, like, grew, he stopped playing games. Mm-hmm. So, like, the games that I was mostly playing when I was alone at my parents' house were, like, dregs of games. Like, one of my favorite games for a while was Summoner 2. Not a good game. Sure. Like, very hard. Way too hard to be fun. Tried playing it again as an adult, and, like, the first boss, I was like, fuck this game. Um, but... I just said no, like, that's what I had. I had yeah. just, like, my stepbrother's old games uh, and rhythm games. So anyway, like, for me, games have always been, like, special private alone time because nobody had any interest in sharing that with me for a while. Yeah. I had, like, at most I had, like, a friend at a time. Like, this kid, Mike Winterfeld, in middle school who liked to play games with me. Like, yeah. we played games together. That's, like, most of what we did. Uh, most of our relationship as friends was playing video games together. And I... Yeah, so it's this alone thing. And so, like, for instance, I don't mind having people watching me play games. But, like, whenever you are trying to do what you view as, like, engagement, I view it as backseat gaming. Mm -hmm. And so it's this weird thing where, like, I get really prickly because I feel like you're saying, like, you're not good enough at this game. You're not a real gamer. You don't know this. uh, Because I'm used to hearing that. Mm -hmm. And whereas you're just like, oh, this is fun. We're playing a video game together and I'm going to help. When I'm like, I didn't ask you to help. I know how to do it. Um, so it's, yeah, it's just like video games have become, and I've, I don't really enjoy, I'm a little bit more and more, but historically I don't really enjoy multiplayer games. Like yeah. I, I'm not like, let's get some friends together and play a multiplayer game again, more so now because I have such a community of people that are interested in video games mm-hmm. and I have so much fun doing things like Jackbox or Mario Party or whatever it is. Um, and like you and I play Crash Team Racing and it's a mm-hmm. blast and it's, it's becoming less and less because I'm more used to, like I was saying like, I didn't feel like a quote unquote real gamer or like somebody who 
Like this has things to say about yeah, video yeah, games this, that other people care about. Yeah, this podcast has like cured that facet of my imposter syndrome where now I'm like, yeah, I know a lot of I know a lot about video games. Um I know about like development. I mean, not like as much as some, but I know like what publishing co- and development companies are. Like I know how to talk about games. Mm-hmm. And so like yeah, it's the first instance in my life where I feel like I have like a community of people that care about video games around me and other things. Yeah. But like video games are like a really important thing that you and I share and it's not and like that a lot of my friends share. One of my one of my favorite things uh before I get on to my sort of wrap up point is um I had this Facebook memory somewhat recently that said like Five or six years ago, I posted a status that I think was specifically trying to get your attention where I was like, Civilization 5 and 80 synth pop, what a great night. Um, and you were like, you play Civ 5? And I was like, yeah, we should play sometime. And then we traded gamer tags on Steam. And that was like five or six years ago, and that was one of our first interactions. Um, and I, yeah, that was just really cute to me that like video games were one of our first uh like connection points, points. Of... you just turned siri on my phone Oops. um sorry siri sorry siri um but the 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 thing about the the fact that a lot of AAA games are turning more towards what i am calling pc culture because i view it as using the language and some of the ideas of social justice for financial gain Mm -hmm. or for looking good it's basically like uh capitalist feminism um yeah i see it thank you um capitalist feminism right um and it's not really for any sort of like end goal of Mm -hmm. progress necessarily it's because this is what the majority of people will buy and be interested in buying necessarily like when you're a corporation it's very hard to be anything ethical whatsoever Mm -hmm. um because you're a corporation uh i'm playing outer worlds i know about capitalism um so i don't necessarily view triple a games making this sort of slow movement as uh you know the quote-unquote right direction or whatever because at the same time that this is happening we're in this huge period of upheaval in both the games journalism industry as well as the game development industry Mm -hmm. people are unionizing people are staging walkouts people are looking for equal treatment as queer people women Uh folks of color black people indigenous people in video games and that is a very exciting time but it is indicative of the fact that there is change happening but it's not necessarily through the post-development triple a games release doing pc culture lens Uh it's through like the background like with all of these indie gamers all of these indie developers making these wonderful games um as well as all of these individuals and these organizations and collectives like making these changes uh as well as like for you know reasonable work hours Mm -hmm. um that's all signs to me that the industry is in a period of change and upheaval Mm -hmm. that i find very exciting that will hopefully result in more equality Mm -hmm. in in games more equality and better games better games quite frankly because death stranding from what i hear is an excellent game outer worlds is an excellent game there are good games that are coming out now an excellent game control is an excellent game we're in a period of very good games games are so good Um, right now dude games are so good right now and there are like sort of on and off years for that um but i think that it's really exciting that a lot of the games that are considered so good are 
AAA games that are making a little bit more of an effort than other games to be inclusive of the entire populace that is playing games. This is a statistic from, I think, about 2016, but it might still be true today, where about over 50% of gamers are uh, women over the age of 40, Mm -hmm. um, which is to say that women over the age of 40 play the most games, not necessarily games like Call of Duty, but games sometimes like Farmville or like yeah, yeah, uh, like consi- Candy Crush. All, considering all games, though, and those are games. Mm-hmm. Here's yes. the thing about yes. it. Yes, yeah, mobile games are games. Facebook games are games. All games are games. Games are games. Games um, is games is games. Games is games is games. But yeah, we just kind of wanted to let you in on this sort of uh, discussion that came from the release of Death Stranding about mm-hmm. our personal relationships. Yeah. Or the release of games. information about Death yeah. Stranding. Death Stranding is not out yet. Yeah, but one of us in this triad will be playing it. Yes, at least. At least. At least one. At least one. I think it sounds cool. I'm I'm interested in it now. You can piss and shit in this game. You can piss and shit in this game. And you have to. Okay. You have to piss Death and shit. Death Stranding. Oh. The new Kojima game? You have to piss and shit in this game. I'm absolutely going to be playing it because that's my brand. I know. Yeah, that is your brand. Yeah, I know. So And you throw it at enemies. Yeah, you make grenades you out it. of your piss and shit. Yeah. That's true. You craft yeah. grenades out of your piss and shit. And you throw it at people. Not people. Enemies. Ghosts. Yeah, Aaron yeah. just came. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had I a lot of CBD. I think game. I might be having an out-of-body experience. <laughs> Are you trying to tell me that you weaponize your shit? Because I yes. was going to make a yeah. joke that you collect it. No, you, you do. do. And you, That's it's real. It's literally crafting materials for yeah. grenades. Have they explained the baby yet? Yes. Yes. Listen to the most recent episode of the Polygon Show. Yeah, Ryan will talk about the baby. Is there a lot of walking yes. in, the, yes. in the middle of nowhere? Yes. yes. I'm very excited. That's yeah. my favorite in games. It'll be great. Yeah, listen to the poly- most recent Polygon Show episode about it. That uh, goes for all of you. If you want to know yeah. about Death Stranding, fucking listen to the new Polygon Show because yeah. Brian talks about it for BDG. 40 minutes. BDG. It's amazing. Talks about it for a long time. So we got to wrap up because Aaron's yeah. got to go to the Catholic school. But we love you very much. Thank you for listening. You can find us on social media. You can DM us, slide into our DMs on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. That is at GayGamers, G-A-Y-G-A-M-E-R-Z. Um, you can email us at ifitsgayweplay at gmail.com. If you want to Venmo me to send me some money to pre-order Pokemon Swords and or Shield um, because that pre-orders are now available for that game because it comes out in a couple weeks, my Venmo is at Bananagrams. Um, you can... is it at Bananagram sixty nine or just at no? Bananagrams? It's just at okay. Bananagrams. Just at Bananagrams. My gamer tag on PlayStation Network is at Bananagrams four twenty. If you yeah. want to get on that, uh, get on our Instagram and look at our highlights so you can be my friend of Pokemon Go. Yes. I believe I have one listener friend because it's a name I don't recognize, and I keep getting gifts from Florida. So shout out to that listener. Um, shout out to my ultra friend CJ. And oh, while we're doing shout outs, yes. uh, I don't know when our episode that we recorded on Halloween is going to go out. So I'm going to send out a big thank you to Sean, who um, uh, is at Wells Fargo and who I had a very wonderful and beneficial uh, interaction with. Uh, thank you, Sean. I really appreciate you yeah, and Sean. your assistance. Sean's a real one. Sean, pour one out for Sean. Nope, don't pour one out. He's alive. He's fine. He's just a real one. Oh. You pour one out for dead homies, Kai. Oh, no, only dead homies? Yeah, Kai. I thought I could pour one out for real ones. No, you pour one out for dead homies. Just dead homies? Yeah, dude. Okay. Kai doesn't know very much about hip-hop. I've been pouring one out for a lot of alive people for years. Well, they're going to die eventually, so it's kind of preemptory. That's true. Well, I believe. I don't see death as linear, Hannah. I hate you. Um, I, but I love you, the listener. So thanks for listening uh like rate and subscribe on your podcatcher of choice and listen to the email other shows. us if it's gay we play at gmail.com i already said that okay gay gamers uh, at gay gamers. listen listen to the, the other shows on the network no exit and by the grace of pod hot, hot.
Ah. And <laughs> I always miss it. I, I love that. Show. I love that. And um, keep playing gay. And keep being gay. And fuck shit up. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Hell yeah. I gotta pee.